The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe it. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Before we look at our reading in the book of Acts, let's take a moment to place ourselves in this season and in this time. This is the last Sunday of the season of Easter. We have spent the last four weeks and now the fifth week in Easter time. This Thursday will be the Feast of the Ascension, the time when we celebrate the end of the 40 days that Christ spent with his disciples between the resurrection and his ascension to heaven. And before we get there, these next three days, the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before the Ascension, or what the church calls rogation days, as Jennifer talked about so, so greatly, days in which we remember our stewardship of creation, and we pray for God's blessing, for the rains, for the growth, for the harvest. And then after the Ascension, 10 days after the Ascension, the 50th day after Easter, we celebrate the giving of the law on Mount Sinai and the giving of the Holy Spirit on that day when the apostles were gathered to celebrate Pentecost in Jerusalem. And immediately following Pentecost, on that Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday following Pentecost are what the church calls Ember Days, the days in which we pray for prosperity in ministry, for those who are called to ordain ministry and for the ministry to which all are called. So we have some days of great prayer coming up in the next several weeks. And then we culminate this season of prayer with Trinity Sunday when we celebrate the end of the, the big section of the church calendar where we walk with Christ from Advent through Pentecost. And then from Trinity to Advent, we walk in the history of the church. 
We walk remembering how the Holy Spirit has led the church to become the body of Christ in the green days, the ordinary time, the season after Trinity. And so in this time we come to our walk through Luke's narrative of the Holy Spirit. The pilgrimage of the Holy Spirit and the clash of kingdoms, the clash between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God. We followed Paul and Barnabas as they set forth from Antioch in Syria. They traveled through Crete into Galatia to Antioch of Pisidia. We heard last week how they were run out of town after proclaiming the gospel of the resurrection. They went from Antioch and Pisidia to Iconium. They preached the gospel there. Many were converted and many were jealous. They were run out of Iconium. And now they come to Lystra. And in Lystra, they are preaching. And there's a man there who is lame from birth, has never walked. And Paul looks and heals him. We begin to see this clash of kingdoms coming out of the clash in the synagogue between the expectations of the Messiah and the reality of the Christ. Now we have this clash of kingdoms, the clash between the kingdom of sin and death and sickness and the kingdom of light and life, the kingdom of light and life of healing prevails. We see this pattern that emerges in Luke's gospel of Christ and the gospel of the Holy Spirit, of the proclamation of the good news of the kingdom. And following that, there's persecution. But along with persecution comes healing and exorcism and the raising of the dead. We see the Holy Spirit at work going before the apostles. Paul is speaking, and he looks out, and he sees in this man who has never walked, and he looks intently, and he sees that the Spirit has been at work. He sees that the Spirit has moved in the heart of this man, and that this man, by grace, has faith to be healed. See, the Spirit has gone before. Paul looks, and he recognizes the Spirit. He proclaims the work of the Spirit, and the kingdom is manifest. We look at that in our own lives. How often do we pause and look intently at our surroundings to see where the Spirit is at work? This is the way of contemplation. This is the way that we learn as a way of prayer. For the Spirit is at work all around us. We live in an inspirited creation. We have an active God who is alive. The Spirit is at work. And yet in most of our days, we can go all day long and never stop and look. And yet, if we take our example from Paul, we can look intently. We can notice where the Spirit is at work. We can proclaim the work of the Spirit. Do you see what the Spirit is doing in your life, in this moment? And in that, we can see the kingdom of God manifest in healing. Healing of body, healing of spirits, healing of relationships. We can see it in the ministry of reconciliation, in the 
proclamation of peace. But you know, we all have this operative mythology that we walk around with. The world is very confusing. Things happen and we can't explain, so we, we create some explanations. We create explanations that our team wins because I wore my lucky shirt. So all through the season, I'm not going to wash the shirt, but I'm going to wear that shirt every time my team plays. You laugh because you've seen it. Maybe my wife has too. We see it when we look and we say, I'm going to wash my car so that it rains tonight. We try to make sense of things around our own experience and our own actions, even when we know that our actions have very little impact on what happens. We see it in the big picture. We, we see Adam Smith's invisible hand guiding the market economy. We see it in the priest of Zeus in Lystra. See, in that area, there was a myth a myth that said that Zeus and Hermes came disguised in human form. And they went to a thousand houses and knocked on a thousand doors. And in a thousand houses, they were refused. And they finally came to one meager cottage on a hill where Balchus and Philemon resided. Two elderly people, a man and a wife who had lived in that house all alone. They have nothing, and yet they welcome the strangers into their house. They provide a meager fire, they heat leftovers, and they begin to notice that the bowl from which they serve never gets empty, the wine flask is never drained. They recognize that they're in the presence of the gods. They fall down in worship, and Zeus and Hermes take them out on the hillside. And they watch as the floodwaters rage and wash away a thousand houses. See, we make up reasons for disaster as much as we make up reasons for prosperity. And so with this in mind, we see Paul and Barnabas come into Lystra. A miracle happens. A man is healed. And of all of a sudden, this operative mythology that says the gods come in disguise. And if we don't welcome them, they respond in anger and destruction. And so the priest of Zeus comes with a cow and with garlands and says, You're Zeus, you're Hermes, welcome! How often in our own operative mythology, we take credit when we have no credit. But Paul, Paul recognizes what is going on, and Paul responds with truth. Men, men, stop, stop. We are merely men just like you, of the same nature. We're not gods, but we proclaim the one true God. A miracle happens, and instead of taking credit, Paul and Barnabas give credit where credit is due. 
Luke places this intentionally. Just a couple of chapters after we hear of the death of Herod. Herod the king sits in his throne full of himself. And one of his subjects comes and says, Almighty king, give us grain so we can eat, for you are the provider of all things. And Herod says, you may have grain. And the man responds, listen, the voice of a god. Herod smiles and falls over dead and is eaten by worms. When miracles happen, where do we place the glory? Paul shows us how to place the glory where the glory belongs. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the work of the living God. This is the manifestation of the kingdom that is now and not yet. So as we come to these days where we recognize our call to the stewardship of creation, our call to pray, you know, we might think that we're gardeners, that we make things grow, that we produce things by our labors. And yet, we sow and we water, and God makes the growth. And God provides for us by the work of human hands. Paul says, all things come from the Father of lights. All good things come from above. These are days that we pray for those good things, and we remind ourselves where they come from. These are days in which we rehearse the kingdom. We rehearse the kingdom today. We come to this table, this place of encounter, this place where the Spirit is already working. We trust that by the Holy Spirit, what is merely bread and merely wine becomes something so much more for us. We trust by the work of the Spirit that in this sacrament we are made the body of Christ. We look intently and we see the Spirit at work. We come and we hear the proclamation of our forgiveness. We look intently and know that the Spirit is at work reconciling us to God. And then we proclaim the peace of God to ourselves and to one another. We see in the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of peace that is manifest among us, the Spirit at work. And then after worship today, we'll gather around ordinary tables with ordinary food. We'll look intently. We'll see the Spirit at work, bringing us into fellowship, bringing us as a family to share table together. And so, we will be sent out into this week. I invite you to take time during your days 
to look intently, to see the Spirit at work, to proclaim to yourself and to others the glory of God in that moment, to know that in that there may be persecution, there may be hardship, there may be rejection, but also there will be healing, there will be reconciliation, there will be the kingdom of God. So I pray for all of us this week, maybe look intently to see the Holy Spirit at work around us. May we boldly proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. May we patiently endure persecution. May we faithfully wait in expectation for the signs and wonders that glorify the mighty name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 